Gilbert. And this is Ray. What's up, everyone? Hi, guys. This is Grace. And back there, Eunice and Lydia. We'll be, uh, we'll be talking with you guys today. Um, our big theme today is, is abiding. It's kind of a big word. Um, and uh, I'm in my socks because, you know, I was thinking about what we're singing today. We're singing about being in the house of God. Right? When we're at home, I don't know about you guys, but I don't wear my shoes. I don't wear my shoes at home. But, so I took off my shoes because we're here at home. Our workshop is kind of big. Right, we got a lot of a lot of people here, but I'm hoping that it'll be a little more interactive, <coughs> and I'm gonna ask some questions. And hopefully, you guys will just like, jump on it and answer. You guys got a lot of energy, so please speak out. Please don't be shy. Um, we're gonna talk about abiding. But the, but the the main point that was really on my heart when I thought thought about this time and, and about you guys and what I, I felt like I really needed to hear when I was sitting where you guys were is the presence of God know the presence of the Lord. Um, so that's the big sort of uh, thing that I want to talk about. And I want to talk about it from two different sides. So the first question is, does God really want to be with us? Right? That's the first question. The second question is, do we really want to be with God? So we're going to look at it from those two sides. Um, we're going to be reading from Ephesians. So you guys have your Bibles? I'm sure you do. This is a I have a conference. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter. Chapter 2. Actually, sorry, chapter 1. chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Uh, and so one thing I w- want you guys to really pay attention as I'm reading through these passages to help us really focus in on this uh, this topic is notice the times that Paul writes in Christ and in him. Alright, so note that. So here I'm continuing in verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the kind intention which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, 
things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. To the end, that we who were the first to hope in, in Christ would be to the praise of his name. In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing, Lord, and we come into your presence, Lord, even as we sang before, Lord, with thanksgiving in our hearts, and we want to be where you are. We thank you that you are here with us. And so it's with that in mind, Lord, that we trust in you and your presence and your Holy Spirit to show us Jesus afresh, Lord. We confess that if we're here just for teaching or just to hear someone talk, Lord, we've lost sight. Lord, we need to see Jesus. We need to meet Jesus in this time. So we ask for your help in Jesus' precious name. Uh, so one of the, the first things that I want to talk about is this word here in, um, is in verse 5, chapter 1, verse 5. This word is adoption. So, I want to think about this in terms of, of three different postures in our Christian life, okay? Um, we're going to talk about adoption, and then we're going to talk about redemption, and then we're going to talk about inheritance. And I'm separating it into these three things because I think it's valuable for us to understand these three aspects of the fullness, the full salvation that we have. It, I'm going to break it up into these three parts because I think that as Christians, there are three primary <coughs> postures that we have when it comes to our salvation. So what happens in an adoption? Anybody? How, how does that transaction happen? Adoption. How does someone who's adopted prove that they're adopted? Papers, forms. Exactly. Totally right. There is a document and a paper that's signed by the parent, adoptive parent, that says, "This is this is my son, my daughter. I'm going to take care of this person." Right. So this is the first posture I want you guys to think about. So there's there's a lot of Christians today who know that they're adopted, right? Just from this this promise that we're adopted in Him, predestined in, in that, and so, but. All they have is a piece of paper. So think about that, right? So there are there are Christians who are who are going around and they, they, they know that they have adoption, but they believe in God. Right? But all they have in their in their their posture of their relationship with the parent is a piece of paper. Okay, another illustration. So um so just imagine, okay, there's this really poor, a poor man who, who's, who's living, um, you know, in a shack out in the wilderness, okay, he's this really poor guy, 
got no home, no nothing. And all of a sudden, there's there's this you know this this government official comes up to comes up to this person and is like, here. <laughs> <laughs> this is a deed. This is. This is to you. This is for you to prove <coughs> that you own a kingdom, <laughs> right? There's there's three things basically that 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 Sherwin with this piece of paper can do, right? So the first thing that he can do is, is what can he do with this piece of paper? Throw it away. Throw it away. Eat it. Yeah. Right, that's that's that, those, that's definitely one thing that he can do with this, right? He can burn it, and it's just—it's basically just the paper. That's all it means. What's something else that he can do? Frame it. <laughs> he can frame it. Yeah, he can put it up on the wall, and he can look at it, and he can tell everyone, "Look at, look! I've been—you know—I I had this great inheritance waiting for me somewhere. It's in a frame, but you know, this is this is my." This is my inheritance. It's a piece of paper, okay? Um, and so, to me, that, that's 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 a sad condition, right? The guy's still living in his shack. He's got this great promise, but it's just a piece of paper and it's on a wall. Um, so, what, what if we? How about if we think about this guy taking it to the next step? What What would you do if someone came to you and was like, "Here, you are the owner of the kingdom. What would you do? Yeah, speechless for sure. Did you do anything, or you just sit there and speechless? <laughs> <laughs> a, week, a, week, a week later, you stopped speaking, and now you're ready to speak. <laughs> <laughs> what what, what, what uh, <laughs> kingdom. Very good. So the second thing that you can do is you can build your kingdom. Um, let's say redemption. Okay. This is the second posture. Okay, so the first one is, uh, I don't know, let's just say frame piece of paper. Frame, paper, um, what's being given, so there's a claim there, right? A claim. Um, and then the second one here, we're talking about building and redemption. Um, you know, redemption means a lot of things, but just just for our purposes for this afternoon, as we look at these three postures, um, what was your name? Aaron. I want to talk about the second posture, which is redemption, which is building, which is basically taking hold of that, of this, this deed that you have been given and building with it, doing something productive with it, right? So the first is someone who's just who's got a claim, not doing anything with it. He just received it. That's that's the posture of all Christians, right? That's the beginning point. And the second point is is actually doing something with that. Um, does anyone know what? Uh, okay, let's let's talk about this practically. What is what is a practical way we can build? Like Aaron was saying, how how would you build? Gather material. Gather materials. Good. Mm-hmm. What else? Hire workers. Hire workers. <laughs> okay. So how about how about to translate that into into what we do <coughs> as Christians when we're 
gathering materials and we're hiring workers. Developing a fellowship. Developing a fellowship, very good. Gathering people, yeah, that's very good. Making disciples, right? Um, yeah, so that's that's huge. Um, what else do you think of when you think of like when you think of a building? What do you what do you need to do that? Plans. Plans. Yeah, very good. What else? Foundation. Awesome. What else? Tools. How do you? Oh, you need money. Wow, like the only one business person in this entire place. <laughs> <laughs> you need money. You get an MBA, you know? Yes, you need money. You need to build, to train people, to have resources. You need money. And that's... that's but, but in order for us to, to put this into perspective and understand the spiritual meaning of that, um, you know, there's there's this doctrine that's actually going around a lot today, and it's it's um, misleading a lot of Christians. And it's basically people who have just got lost in the blessing. It's basically people who get lost in thinking that money is the end of what we're called to. Okay, and those, so those are people that that have recognized the adoption. They're coming into the redemption of their life of their work, of what they're building, but they've gotten lost. They've gotten totally off the path and are lost in the whole thing of money. It's called health and wealth, and it's a total, total false teaching. So I guess I want you to remember that, that as I'm talking about building and, and enjoying the blessings, because we, we worship a God of, the mirac- of miracles, right? He's a God who will supply all of our needs. But... And so here's the, the, the last point here I want to talk about is inheritance. <laughs> inheritance. Um, so we talked about this poor guy who was living in a shack, right? He got his piece of paper, but he's just sitting in a shack. He's got it framed on the wall. And then we've got Aaron over here. He's got this piece of paper, but not only has he gotten a piece of paper and was speechless for a week, <laughs> he actually went out and built, right? So that's very good. But there's, I want to say that in our Christian walk, there is a third aspect that is so key. And, it, and you know, it, it's, um, it's so obvious. Yeah, I feel like it's so lost. And for me, I know for myself that it was something that really needed to be revealed to me and I'm still learning daily um, what's the third aspect so we got the guy who's framed up the paper you know and that's basically all he's done with it maybe he ate it <laughs> there's Aaron who, who you know the, the people who have started building and taking advantage of the wealth and building the church and What's the third response? The third part of this? Rain. Hmm? Raining. Raining. Yes. Yes. It could rain and and uh, and rule over your land. What else? So important question. Third 
Third thing, guys. Say thank you to the man caves. Wow! There's one thankful person in this entire room of you guys who received this like incredible wealth. Is you? Well, she said it to me. I appreciate you being honest. Happy. Awesome. Thankful. But it's it's thankful because like. You're thankful. <laughs> Someone gave you this amazing inheritance. But what about what what's 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 inherently important in that that question of, of saying thank you? What 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 must happen for you to say thank you? You have to realize what you've been given. Absolutely. You have to be thankful to begin with. Humble yourself. You have to be humble to say that this wasn't something that I did myself. What do you have to do to say thank you? Hmm? Nothing? Actually say thank you, right? So just walk me through that. Let's just imagine. How does that work? say thank you unless you know the person who gave it to you. And so I want to say that that's the third, the third aspect of what we're looking at here in inheritance. And ultimately what I really want you guys to take away from this time is uh, relationship. Relationship and intimacy. That is our ultimate inheritance. Um, hmm. But I said, as I said in the beginning, our the question I think that comes a lot of times, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I know it's a big thing, it's like, why would God want to hang out with me? You know, yeah, God loves me, God saved me, but really, like, spend time with me? So we're going to go through, like, super fast forward through the Bible, okay? <laughs> so hang on, we're going to do this starting in Genesis 3.9. Alright, starting from the beginning, Genesis 3.9. Genesis 3.9. Alright, come on, put fast, guys. Genesis 3.9. Okay, so this, we're all familiar with the story. <coughs> we're all familiar with Adam and Eve falling, right? And this is, this is the question. This is the question that the Lord has. Genesis 3.9. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? And that's the same question that he asked all of us today. Where are you? You know, I know a lot of you guys maybe maybe have come and maybe your parents forced you to come, you didn't really want to come. Maybe there are some some of some of that in this room right now. 
But right now, right at this moment, it's just you and the Lord. It's not about your parents. It's not about your friends. The Lord is asking you, where are you? Where are you? Okay, and then let's go over to Joshua 18.1. Joshua 18.1. So we've been separated from God and all this history has passed and and now we're looking here at, at Joshua. They've gone back into the land. They've possessed some of their inheritance. Joshua 18.1. And the whole congregation of the sons of Israel assembled themselves at Shiloh and set up the tent <coughs> of meeting there. Set up the tent of meeting. Right? We often think of it as like, oh, we've got to go to church or we've got to go to... You know, for for the Jews, you know, there's like the synagogue and the temple, but this this is at the very heart of God, woven through the entire history of His creation. Is this the tent of meeting? He wants us to meet with Him. Okay, and then let's go to Matthew one twenty three. So Matthew one twenty three. This is the first first prophecy that is quoted about Jesus. Through the entire like scripture, this is the first prophecy that that is used about Jesus here. Um, in Matthew one chapter one verse twenty three, Behold the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name you all know this? Amazing. Emmanuel, which translated God with us. God with us. That's, that's the, the summation of God's intention. Now let's go to uh, 8. Uh, sorry, Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 20. This is the last thing recorded in Matthew of what Jesus said. The last thing. We, folk, you know, oftentimes... Christendom focuses on the first part of this. Uh, in verse 18, starting, Jesus says to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, and this part we sort of go, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sort of like, period. Right? We sort of like focus on that, that point. Now, I'm not diminishing, diminishing that point. Very important. We are called to do this. But I want to say that all of that all of what verse 19 says hinges on this part in verse 20. When Jesus says, teaching them to observe, to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. I am with you always. Always. I was, I was looking at this word, lo. Such a weird word, lo. What does that mean, lo? Um, I don't know if you guys use that today. Maybe it's like back in sort of the vernacular. But to me, I, I have no idea. Low. You know? <laughs> anyway, so I looked it up, and the Greek word, what, you know, I, I'm just imagining Jesus being like, and low. <laughs> it doesn't jive with me so much, but I looked it up, and, and Jesus used the word, it's idu. <laughs> Feel better? Maybe not. 
But idu means behold. Behold. It means like full stop, look, and like absorb this. Huge. This is huge. You know, this is, think about this. Can you absorb this? Can you grasp the enormity of what, what Jesus is saying here? He's with you, no matter where you go. And then lastly, let's skip over here to Revelation chapter 22. Again, we've just got, gone like fast forward through the Bible, like, I don't know, sort of like Twitter style, just like, like fast. The last thing here, Jesus says in Revelation, yes, I'm coming quickly. This is the entire intention of God from the beginning of time, before in time, was this eternal purpose, this eternal intention that God would be with us. Um, so, let's just run over quickly the three things. You know, we've got the guy who's just got his his deed on the wall framed. Got the guy <coughs> who's building and working on his his blessing um, and is redeeming the world around him. And and then we've got the third one, the third one who knows the presence of the Lord. And and has intimacy with the Lord because because he realizes at the end of the day it's it's the person who gave him his gift it's the giver not the gift we have we made up these uh, we made up these little cards here um, they're sort of like business cards okay so this it's like sort of to remind you guys something that's on my heart and you know when you when you think about a business card, what does a business card mean to you? Just keep in contact. Not much. Keep in contact. Right? It could just be a piece of paper, and that's all true. These these are just pieces of paper. Nothing like special. It's not a good luck charm. Nothing, except to say that we hope that these will be a reminder for you. Not 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 the the picture on it. Not, not even just the verse on it, but that when you receive a business card from someone, it's a relationship. It's not the card you care about. It's the person who gave you the card. Okay? So I'm not saying that you should think about me. That's <laughs> <laughs> not what I'm saying. I'm saying that know that God has given you a deed, an inheritance, and that this card is to remind you that He is with you. There's, there's two different ones here. Um... Designed by Grace, um, and uh, yeah, so um, yeah, so here you guys can choose which one you want. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, keep one in your pocket or in your wallet, and whenever you think about, you know, all joking aside. At the end of the day, what is going 
not what, but who. The person who is going to change your life, who is going to transform you, is going to be the Lord. And the Lord... And... And for this reality to, to actually happen, we need to know the presence of the Lord. We need to know this communion with Him. To know His very real presence in our life. God so wants to, to, to have communion with you. And to talk with you and spend every moment with you. No matter what you're doing. No matter what you're doing. But I think that, you know... A lot of times we think that there's a separate thing that, you know, okay, if God is sort of there, some sort of here, we have to go to Him. But it's not, you know, sometimes we pray like, or we sing, oh, I just want to be where you are. And there's some element of truth to that, but we are where He is. He is where we are. I mean, I know this is like very mystical in some ways, but <coughs> it's totally, totally truth that can transform our walk and we know that the Lord is with us um, and you know a huge problem these days you know there's there's so many things in th- these dark days that that the enemy schemes t- to come between us and the Lord and if we know the presence of the Lord these these things will will lose their effectiveness um, you know I think about pornography it's like everywhere Right, it's just like everywhere. It's just an infectious disease, and it's a total addiction. But if we can know the presence of the Lord, be free from that. And there's, you know, there's that. There's pride, which is, you know, like, oh, I'm so cool. Oh, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's still true in high school or in college. Oh, I'm so cool. You know, it's like the pride, total pride thing. But if we know the presence of the Lord, we know that we're, we're, we're called to a humble life, meek, and teachable. Um, and, uh, and so, so Grace is going to talk um, about abiding, abiding in the Lord. Can we talk really briefly, just a little bit more on the relationship of abiding? Um, interesting because when when Jesus was on earth, the word that he used when he called his disciples was follow me. Right? So this is the way he described our relationship. But then in John fourteen he starts to talk about he's going to leave. He's saying, you know, I, I won't be here anymore, but the Holy Spirit will come and teach you and be with you. And the word that he uses then is abided me. And so, you see how he's calling us to um, a deeper relationship with him. And um, I just wanted to look briefly in Philippians 3.
Philippians 3, 7 to 12. How about, can you start with verse 7 here, and then we'll go. <coughs> um, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. Um, yet doubtless, yet doubtless, and I count all things the lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but the wait, but do count them but the, that I may win Christ. Not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. Know somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Uh, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Okay, thank you. So I just wanted to, you know, you guys are probably familiar with this passage. Earlier in this chapter, Paul is talking about, you know, the sort of things that he, he had attained naturally and how he was. And he was Hebrews, he was a Pharisee, he accomplished all these things. But he said, all of these I count as loss. And what does he really want at this point? Um, he says it's to know Christ, and he wants to be found in him. He wants to abide in him. And all the things that are in Christ, the power of his resurrection, um, the fellowship of his sufferings, all of these things, Paul wants to lay hold of. And he wants to lay hold of them by being in Christ. Um, so I just wanted to look again at verse 12. It says, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. And that kind of last phrase, you know, to lay hold of that for which I was also laid hold of, was really confusing to me for a long time. I was kind of like, who's laying hold of what? What are they laying hold of? Um, you know, it just kind of gets jumbled. But I read an illustration um, by Andrew Murray that really touched me, and I just wanted to share with you that he describes this process of pressing on, pressing on and laying hold of Christ as, imagine a father going out for a walk with his son. And his son is, let's say he's four or five years old, you know, he's old enough to, to walk on his own, but he's still too small to really kind of climb anything without help. So they come to this sort of rocky hill, and the father says, I really want to show you the view from the top of this hill. It's amazing. You can see farther than you've ever seen before. No one else has ever seen it but me, and I want to bring you up to see it. And, you know, so they start to climb, but, you know, the rocks are slippery. Some of them are loose, so they, they slide down and they roll when you try to step on them. Um, and the son is really little, but the father wants to take him up. So. Um, what the father does as they climb is he climbs up first, he takes a step, he climbs up, and then he takes his son's hand, and at the same time he points the best spot for the son to place his foot to be, to be the most secure, to have the best footing. And then, you know, because, because the father has taken the son's hand and he's giving the guidance, the son has the strength and the courage to say, okay, I'm going to step up there 
my dad's got my hand, he's gonna pull me up. And so he, he takes hold of that for which his father had taken hold of him. And it was the same thing with Paul. He said, because Christ has laid hold of me, so I have the strength and the courage to lay hold of what he's showing me, what he wants me to, to attain to. And so the father and the son, they, they keep going that way. The father, you know, takes the son's hand and shows him where to put his feet, pulls him up, and they keep going until they reach the top. Um, and I just wanted to leave you guys with that, that picture of, of how it's really the father's strength. It's really, it's Christ and, and his, his power and his strength that we can abide. Um, you know, abiding, you know, we talk about it and it's a wonderful thing that, that we want because then we can have everything that's in Christ. But, you know, it's hard in the day-to-day process to, to really, it's, it's, a, it's a learning process that goes on and, you know, how, what does it mean every day to really abide in him? But I think as we, as we picture that, where he's, he's taking us and he's bringing us along and, and showing us where to go, um, that we can sort of begin to walk in it. Anything to add? Yeah, there's just one more thing that I wanted to add that I realized I forgot because I, I focused a lot, um, we focused a lot on the individual aspect of the presence of the Lord. Um, but I, I want to make sure that we understand that knowing the presence of the Lord isn't just an individual thing, but it has to be in, in also in the, the presence of the church life, in fellowship with one another, that we really experience the fullness of Christ when we come together. Um, I just really reminded us because I know that I'm a journalist and I was working on a story and I was just talking to this Christian today that's totally lost. And it's because he had this idea that he's just on his own. Him with God, and that's good enough. He doesn't need the church. So I just want to emphasize that we must know the presence of the Lord in the, in the company and in the fellowship of the saints. Um, so never, never forget that part of, of your walk and, and knowing the presence of the Lord. Awesome. So I'm Ray. Uh, we're in New York for this conference. I'm from New York, so we have a very short amount of time, so I'm doing it New York style. It's going to be quick, and it's going to be high energy, so you have to pay attention. You're going to miss stuff, because this is important stuff, too. Upper and Grace talked about abiding, right? And abiding in the Lord by knowing His presence. So what I want to talk about is abiding in Him by abiding in His Word. Okay? The Bible is more than words on paper. If you read the Bible, if you read every single verse of the Bible, there's 31,124 verses in the Bible, right? But it's more than words on paper, okay? What I like to say is that it's more like, forgive me, God's Facebook page. Now, does anybody here have Facebook? Raise your hand if you got Facebook. Almost, that, I, I even have Facebook. Now, the Bible is certainly way more than God's Facebook page, but let me just... If, if you will, just walk with me for a second here. You know, we, as we come here to this conference, we know the Lord, we've been saved, right? We're, kind of, we're, we're on God's friend list, right? So he's got this gigantic <laughs> list of friends, and we're all on his list of friends. Let me ask you, Sherwin, how many friends do you have on your list? Five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> probably got a few hundred friends, right? Yeah, like a few hundred. Hey, Timothy, how many friends do you have? A few, right? Uh, hundreds of friends, right? I have 731 friends on Facebook. So let me tell you something. How many of them are, are you really your friends? Like, think about it. 
And, and the 731 people that I have as friends on my Facebook page, I probably am friends with maybe a handful here and there, right? But when God has you on his Facebook page, he's really friends with you because he wants to know you, even as Elbert and Grace were saying. Knowing his presence and knowing him. So that's part of God's Facebook page. What else is on Facebook? Now, I, I, I've actually never... I, I accept friends and I reject friends and stuff like that, but I never really do anything on Facebook, but I'm familiar with the fact that you can like things on Facebook, right? You can say, I like this and I like that. Well, if you look at the Bible, what does it talk about? God tells you in his Facebook page what he likes. What does he like? He likes obedience, right? He likes you to have faith in him. He wants you to love. He likes that. He likes love. What does he dislike? He dislikes sin, lust, pride, all these things that, that Albert even just mentioned just now. There are his likes and dislikes. They're all through the whole Bible on his Facebook page, right? What about his status? Now, I have never, I've had Facebook for a couple years now. I have never once put a, a status update on. I don't even, like, not even literally once. People don't even know what I'm doing right now. So I've never changed it. We change it all the time, though. I mean, I see people like people that I work with through my Facebook. They change it like ten times a day, and they're supposed to be working. They change it all the time, right? We change our Facebook status all the time. What's God's Facebook status? Hebrews 13:8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. His status never changes. This is all found in the Bible. His Facebook page. Well, way more than that. So, um, another way to look at the Bible is that it's more like God's love letter written towards us. I mean, if you look through the whole Bible, from beginning to end, it describes how the Lord, from the beginning of time, even as Elbert read there in Ephesians, from before the foundations of this world, He loved us. And He had a plan for us. And we're sitting here right now as part of that plan. One of the verses that I'd like to talk about today is from Psalm 119, verse 11. You can just jot it down. It's a very short verse. It says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What does that mean? You know, this conference is about being rooted and built up in Him. It's talking a lot about foundations. And to be rooted and built up in Him, one part of that is to have His word hidden in our hearts. Okay? Now, hiding the word in our hearts is not memorization. You may say, what, what, what are you talking about? What does it mean to hide the word in your heart and not be memorization? Now, I'm sure everyone here, as I have, have we've taken many tests in our lives, right? All, all you guys, you're all in school? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're all in school, right? Yeah. So you take tests. You take quizzes. You take tests. I don't even know what it's like today. Do you even take, you like write stuff down or is it on the computer? I don't even know. I'm like, my 10th year college reunion is this year, so I'm like, so uncool, right? So, anyway, um, so you take tests, right? What do you do to take a test? You memorize things, right? And how, how many times, let me ask you, you take your test, do you remember anything the day after you take the test? No. Nothing, right? Because all you're doing is memorizing it. I went to law school, and to, to, to become a lawyer, you have to take this thing called the bar exam. And it's this seven-hour seven hour exam one day, and seven-hour exam the next day, right? And you literally study for it for three months. For one test, you can ask Jen how miserable it is. It's like the worst experience of your life. For three months, you study for one test. Can you imagine that? And all you do is you memorize, and what they tell you is that the day you take the bar exam, you know more about law than you will for the rest of your entire life. And I'm here to attest that I know nothing about the law. Except for a little tiny, tiny bit. 
good. This law is this gigantic thing. You study for I knew so much. I mean, I was so brilliant for two days. <laughs> I, that, I had no clue what the rest of the law means. And people ask me all the time, Ray, you know, I'm having this problem, this landlord-tenant thing. I have no idea. So I just say something. And like, people are like, oh, yeah, it sounds right. <laughs> it's because I only memorized this stuff. Memorization is not it. Hiding the word in our hearts is a different thing because memorization is a mental exercise. Okay? We all, as, as people, we have brains. We can memorize things, and it sits up there, you know, and then you lose it. Hiding the word is having it in your heart. And that means it's something that's deep. And that can't be taken away. It's not something you forget because it's not something that's in your mind. It's something that's in your heart. Um, you know, the Pharisees in the, uh, in the New Testament, Jesus basically calls them out. He's like, you know, you guys know all this stuff, right? You know all this law, but you don't know me. Think about that. You know, the Pharisees, these people knew the law. They knew the Old Testament inside and out. They memorized it. They knew it. When push came to shove, they didn't know, Jesus was in front of their face. And they didn't even know who he was, right? Because they didn't have the word hidden in their hearts. Um, so that's one part of it. So there's the, the matter of hiding the word in our hearts. So not just knowing it as a, as a mental skill or uh, ability, because obviously all of us have different abilities for memorization. You know, the way it was described to me is that your, your memory is like a cup, right? And some people have shot glasses, and some people have big gulps. And you can only fit so much into your memory bank, because ultimately some of it spills out, okay? So you might have a shot glass, and you might have a regular, you know, an orange juice glass, and you might have a big gulp, and that's as much as you can memorize. But there's no limit to how much can be hidden in your heart, okay? The other part of this, so the one part of it is the hiding, the other part of it is feeding on the word. Now we sang earlier, um, uh, I long to live in your house, and let your foods be the word... That the, your words be the food that I eat. Where does that come from? Do you know where that comes from? Shaking your head. Do you know where it comes from? It comes from Jeremiah 15, 16. You should read that. Open, open your Bible to Jeremiah 15, 16. <laughs> you know, we read this stuff. You know, you, you hear, we hear all these words all the time. Do you know where it comes from? It has it hit your heart, you know. <laughs> Jeremiah 15, 16. When you get there, read it. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O God Almighty. Okay. And I ate them. Your, your words were found and I ate them. This is not a midnight snack, all right? <laughs> this is not a, you know, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon during the conference, and I know we just had lunch just like an hour ago, and we're having dinner like as soon as we're done with the workshops. <laughs> not like a little snack like that. We're talking about a meal. Let your words be the food that I eat. Um... You know, I can, I can, I, I fancy like the best meals that I've had in my life, and I have great memories of some awesome meals that I've had. But honestly, it comes in and it goes out, <laughs> right? Like that's the meal. That's, you know, that's just food, literally. Um, but what does Jesus say that He is, right? He's not the bread; He's the bread of life. Okay. So the words, these words that are in your Bible, are life. They're not just words on paper. Wor the words in here are food that we eat. Okay? And we're sustained by them. Okay. So because we are very short, let me ask you, what do you think are the results of hiding the word in your heart? What do you think is the fruit of that? Like, what, what is it? Can you just throw some, give me some examples. I'll throw them on the board here. 
Eventually, the Lord will reveal it to you in a different meaning. Okay, you, so you you're revealed what the truth is behind the word, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you understand, okay? Uh, truth. What else? What are the results of there? Hide the word in your heart. Go ahead, Tabby. What are you gonna say? Uh, joy. Joy. Okay. What else? I can talk fast. I can write fast too. So you can keep on throw them out there. What else you got? You'll have it. When you need it, right? So you're in a circumstance and you're like, what do I do? This person, my friend is having all this trouble and they need comfort. Uh, let me go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 because it talks about the God of all comfort, right? Or maybe I'll go to Isaiah 40. It talks about God, comfort you, comfort you, my peoples. Boom, you got two verses right there because you had the word hidden in your heart. What else? What other, what other possibilities are there? So circumstances, right? Anything else you can think of? Any other reasons? Well, you can in, how about you can encourage and strengthen each other, right? Obviously, every, every day we go through trials, we go through tribulations, and to be a brother and a sister to somebody and to, you know, to encourage them through the Word is something that is very helpful. How about in prayer time, too? As we pray, it's not like we just say some words. You know, there's some depth in the, that, the, that we can see through the Word how the Lord reveals himself to us about how we should pray about different things by having the word hidden in our hearts. So you can so in prayer. Um, but I think more than all of this, and what this all encompasses, I've been handwriting, is knowing the Lord. By hiding the word and feeding on it is, a, is the way to abide in his word to know him. To know who he is. To know what his will is. To know what we should do. Um, so the next question is, how do you do? Okay? Has anyone here ever tried to, I'm going to say, hide the word? Has anyone here ever tried to spend some time in the word? Not, has anybody here know how to read? <laughs> you know how to read? Yeah. Have you ever read, read, like, read your Bible ever, right? Yes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You've, read, you've read it before. Has anyone here taken the time, right, to try to hide the word in your heart? And you don't have to raise your hand. But if you haven't ever done it before, I'm imploring you and asking you to try it. Okay? It's something that there's a lot of value that comes through it in your relationship with the Lord. <coughs> you deepen your relationship with the Lord when you, the Word is hitting your heart. I will give you um, a couple things that I'm going to suggest for you to, to memorize. As, as young ones, there's, um, there's a psalm, Psalm 139. There will be many familiar verses in there. I ask you to try to memorize Psalm 139. It's 24 verses long. There's going to be some familiar verses in there as you go through it. But it talks very specifically about how God loves you, okay, and how he knows you. So try that. Try Psalm 139. And the other one is, do you guys know the seven, uh, Jesus calls himself, I am blank, seven times in the book of John. Do you know what the seven I am's are? I am the bread of life. John 6.35. That should be one on your list. You should get the seven I am's. So these are the two things that I want you to memorize. Seven I am's. I am the bread of life, 635. I am, what's the next one? Light of the world. I'm the light of the world, 812. That's John 812. Next one? I'm the gate. I am the door of the sheep. I am the gate. That's 107. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. That's 1011 I'm going to go with. Right? Um, next, I'm the resurrection of the life. That's 1125. Next, the way, the, the way, the truth, and the life, 14.6. Next, 
And the last one is True Vine, 15.1. So that's just as a starting point, okay? You'll spend your life, okay, if you're really serious about this, if you really want to know the Lord, and you're really serious about it, you'll spend time hiding the Word in your heart. It's been a tremendous, um, uh, a tremendous blessing to me to know the Lord by knowing His Word. It's been uh, an amazing uh, growth in my spiritual life by knowing His Word. Um, what you have to do is it, it takes discipline. You know, it takes time. You know, you, you, we spend time on a million things that have no real value because they're things that we just do. They're te- things of, of, of temporary value. But knowing His Word and hiding it in our heart is something of eternal value. So I ask you to spend some time. What I do is this, and I'm just going to tell you the way I do it. Um, so I'll take, right now I'm, I'm in the process of trying to memorize Hebrews 11, 12, and 13. It's 94 <coughs> verses, and I'm giving myself 105 days to do it. So basically by July 4th is my goal to memorize 94 verses. Um, and you think, wow, that's a lot, it's a big deal. It's actually not that much, if you really think about it. If you do one verse a day, it just takes time. So what I do is at night, I'll read a verse. Okay, so th- this is just a, a possible way to do it. I'll read a verse at night. Do it line by line, baby step. So the verse may have several, you know, a few different phrases to it. So what I'll do is the first verse of Hebrews 11 is, uh, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you take that in two parts. And you get, and so, so you know, say tonight I, I look at that, and I'll have, a little, I'll have a fuzzy understanding of what that is tonight. So I'll have it by the time I go to bed. Like I'll, I'll have it, right? I'll be able to repeat it one time to Eunice before I go to bed. But then in the morning, I'll be like, uh, faith is what? The evidence of where? So, like, I won't have it. But then in the morning, I'll go over it again, and I'll have it, because then I'll be over it a second time. And then by the night, that next night, right? So then the second night, I'll have the first verse done, and I'll work on the second verse. So if you build on it every day, you'll be, you know, this is just a possible scenario. You guys do it as you will. But it means that you have to really spend time in the Word and be disciplined about it. What I do is going over the verses, and I have the, the great blessing of the subway in New York City. <laughs> so I have a 35-minute subway ride to and from work every day. So it's, you know, people do different things in the subway. They play music, and they're annoying. They eat food, and they're annoying. And they stink at the subway. They, um, uh, you know, they change diapers in the subway. There's a lot of things that people do in the subway. <laughs> but the thing that has value, you know, because it's just dead time, is, going, is, is, is spending time in the Word and being disciplined about it. So that's the way that I do it. Another way is, you know, I drink a lot of water during the day. So as a result, what do I do? Go to the bathroom a lot during the day. So what I do is whenever I go to the bathroom during the day, it's my time to be disciplined about going through memory verses, okay, and praying. So think that there are things in your life every day that you do, right? You wait online for things. You, you're, you know, you're waiting for something. You do whatever you're doing. You're on hold or whatever it is. There are, ways, there are parts of our life that are just, you know, dead time. Take advantage of those times, particularly. And just, just you know, if you just spend some time in the Word and you just grab some of these things, you're going to see how you're going to love them. And you really get to know the Lord. And it's going to be a great blessing to you and to the Lord. And He's going to be, He'll be say, you know what? Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm pleased with my child because you know me and you're spending time in my Word. So, you know, it's, I'm sorry, this is very short. I hope you just take the two things out of it, that you're hiding the word, it's not memorization, and that the word is food, it's something for us to eat, and really, you know, 
take. So with that, let me just close in prayer because I'm sure we have another group coming down now. Lord, we thank you so much that we can come together. It is such a blessing to just open up your word, Lord, to know that you are speaking to us, that you desire to have a, a depth and relationship with us. Lord, we pray that the, the words that we've shared today, Lord, would not go on dry soil, but would be deep-rooted, Lord, that we would come to be brothers and sisters, soldiers for you, Lord, living for you in these end times, Lord, and pleasing you at all ways. So we want to commit to you this time, um, and we just uh, we thank you for it, Jesus, when we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so you guys have to go. We go. Never mind. You guys stay.